Welcome back to the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together, my friends, we're on a mission to age well, bloody well, if I'm being honest. Let's be real, though. We all need guidance when it comes to aging well, and that's why we've gathered the best possible support team for us. No topic is off limits, and I promise to ask all the right questions, your questions. Before we dive in, don't forget to join our growing community of women from around the world. Sign up at theagingproject.com.au and become part of the Aging Project community. You'll gain access to our treasure trove of podcast episodes, our free five-day morning challenge, and did you know we now have an online store called You Must Try It? It includes products we've discovered from our podcast guests and community. Think low-tox skincare, low-tox makeup, supplements, and more. You'll only find products we've tried, tested, and we love at youmusttryit.com. Are you ready to begin today's episode? Alrighty, let's do it. I am a gynecologist who is interested in women's health and providing a holistic care to women who is not afraid of calling um, vaginas vagina because vagina is to me just another organ like nose, eyes and very uh, precious organ in fact. Welcome back. That was today's remarkable guest, Dr. Fariba, the founder of FBW Gynecology Plus in South Australia. Fariba caught our attention after recently winning two national Telstra Best of Business Awards for championing health and accelerating women. Fariba is a true women's health warrior, and we are so honoured to give her our platform to share her message. From reducing the stigma associated with female gynaecological issues, which often occur post-birth, to raising awareness amongst the medical community on the need for more to be done to treat prolapse, I get the sense this woman is just getting started. Her passion to break down the taboos surrounding women's health is infectious. We've got you covered today, ladies. Please welcome Dr. Fariba. Wonderful to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for your your kind introduction. To understand a little bit more about what you do, how do you explain your job at a party? (laughs) I am uh, a gynecologist. Uh, who is interested in women's health and providing a um, holistic care to women, who is not afraid of calling um, vaginas vagina, because vagina is, to me, just another organ like nose, eyes, and very uh, precious organ, in fact, because it has so many functions to it. They have sex with it, we have periods with it, we pass urine, you know, it's an organ that we call pregnant and we create human beings. So I am very proud to use the organ the way it is rather than calling it different nicknames that it really irritates me. So <laughs> I call the spade a spade. Well, I'll make sure that I put on my big girl pants today and I call it a vagina. Good girl. Thank you. (laughs) Your personal story has obviously inspired your work greatly and your um, specialty in this area. Can you share your story with us? Sure. Um, I was born in Iran. Some people might know it as Persia. Uh, When I was uh, 12 years old, um, the government changed uh, and I found myself on the wrong side of politics. 
And it was a time that uh, my dad appeared to be executed. And I saw how um, lost my mother was in, in her life, thinking as a woman who depended on my dad all her life with six children, how could she raise us if he dies? Mm-hmm. And um, the conversation that she had in terms of prayer to God, it was so uh, different to any kind of prayer that I had heard that it really affected me emotionally. And it was there and then that I decided I am going to be an independent woman. I am not going to put my children through those kind of emotions if my husband is gone. Uh, but at, uh, it appeared my dad didn't get executed um, because he was running a big charity. He was a politician, but also had big, uh, big uh, charity um, uh, affection. And he loved charity work. And one of the men who actually was supposed to execute him was the husband of one of those women that my dad had empowered and helped. Uh, so dad came home on a bike um, uh, fleeing from the prison uh, and when he came home he put us in a uh, truck garbage truck pretending that we are all garbage and we left the city so nobody could find him and us and if sitting out among the garbage I thought nah I am going to prove to the world that my dad is an innocent man and wonderful man and I am not a garbage. And uh, I decided, I made the decision then and then at age 12 to be the person I am today. And I kept going with charity because uh, my dad always believed that if you empower women, if you have a healthy, if you have healthy women, you who give birth to healthy children, you eventually will have a healthy society. So that really uh, was wonderful for me because that was one of a few men who believed in women's rights and uh, equality. And I just wanted to keep that going. What an extraordinary man, um, an extraordinary father figure and and an incredible role model for you and your siblings. Yes. Fariba, your your mother obviously had a huge impact um, on you wanting to go into this field as well with her, I guess, mechanics of how she hid her incontinence from the family. Yes, when I was five years old, I remember that my mom would take the children to um, the toilet and pretending that we needed to go to the toilet, but in fact it was um, her who had the urgency and frequency and uh, she was covering it up with the children's need. And my dad didn't know anything about uh, her problem and how it affected her and her family, uh, such as her children. So with six kids, she was making very, very frequent trips to the bathroom. Yes, as many times as she needed. But then uh, later on, the aunties learned from them, uh, her and they would take us to the toilet as well. So we had many trips to the toilet during our childhood. And that was when I realized that women's health issues are a taboo subject. And it wasn't any religion. It wasn't Islam or anything like that. It was Shah time. It was very, you know, liberal government. Mm-hmm. But still in our own household, my mother was suffering. And then when um, I couldn't study medicine in Iran, I had to go to Germany to study medicine. 
because as I said, we were on the wrong side of politics to punish the parents. They wouldn't allow education to the children. So I went to the Germany and over there, women wouldn't talk about their genitalia and they had nicknames for their vaginas and they wouldn't talk about painful intercourse and so on. And I said, oh, that's not just my country and Middle East. It is also Europe. Mm-hmm. Then love brought me to Australia, and um, it is we are talking about 30 years ago. And uh, when we went to the um, church and communities, I saw that women in Australia don't ever talk about this kind of thing either. <laughs> Everything is happy to talk about pregnancy, vaginal mm-hmm. birth, natural, natural birth, cesarean section. But what happens to that woman after those children? What happens to the body? You know, this baby is coming out of the vagina. This baby is carried for nine months in the womb of a woman who is, which is pressing on the pelvic floor. But nobody is interested. And you even lose your name after that baby is born because you become the mother of that child. You, you don't have even a name anymore. So it seems that not the society is interested in the body of the woman after childbirth and not the Medicare is interested because all the money goes towards reproduction and IVF and fertility and so on. Well, I guess it's sort of comforting uh, to think that this is a worldwide problem. It's not just how we discuss our body parts and, and uh, well, don't discuss our body parts here yes. in Australia. But that should also be empowering, that we can all be in this together. We are at least yes. half the population on the planet. Um, yes. It's time we took charge of our vaginas. Exactly. I am 100% with you. It's time for us to have dinner parties talking about vaginas. Amen to that. I'll tell you, I caught up with some girlfriends last night and I brought this up to the topic of conversation and they said, Shelley, I just don't think this is is dinner conversation. I said, if it's not dinner conversation for us, who is it ever going to be dinner conversation for? Exactly, exactly. I've discovered a place that's all about empowering women's health and I wanted to share it with you. It's called Vera Women's Wellness. Led by the amazing Dr. Peter Wright, an integrative gynecologist and fertility specialist, Vera Women's Wellness is a haven for personalised, holistic care and support. I think what sets them apart is their philosophy. They believe that every woman deserves time, space and compassion in their healthcare journey. They listen to your stories and empower you with knowledge to get to the root cause of any concerns you may have. We love promoting people and brands we trust and Dr. Peter and her team at Vera Women's Wellness are the perfect example of that. You might recall we interviewed Dr. Peter on the topic of menopause in season one on The Aging Project and we love her. So whether you're dealing with gynecological issues, fertility concerns or simply want to achieve your best health, Vera Women's Wellness has got you covered, ladies. Visit www.verawomenswellness.com.au to book. And yes, they offer both face-to-face appointments in Brisbane and telehealth appointments. If you're located elsewhere, they've got gynecologists, GPs, psychologists, dietitians, and trauma experts on hand. Remember, ladies, your well-being matters. And Vera Women's Wellness is here to support you every step of the way. One thing I've learned during my time on The Aging Project, just because something is common amongst women, um, it doesn't mean that it's normal. And I think even when we are having these conversations with our girlfriends, if if we're lucky enough to be that open and honest, um, perhaps 
I would say never with our mothers, um, that if you do come across things that, that you're all experiencing, that doesn't make it normal. It makes it a common. Yeah. If I tell you 69% of couples have sexual dysfunction at some point in their lives, it is not normal. It is abnormal. Mm-hmm. So it means we can we have to do something about it. It means we have let it go too far for that to become the majority of time. And we are going with the current um, diet, with the current medicine uh, available to everyone. We are going to live up to 120. Do we want to smell, um, uh, you know, like urine and feces for the rest of you know, 70 years or wear a pad? For 70 years, I'd rather die. (laughs) This is great motivation, Fariba. This is excellent. No, we do not want to. Um, So what, obviously, sexual health is one um, enormous part of good vaginal operation and vaginal health. What, What are the problems that you see, and I guess the common ones that you have coming into your practice that we're probably all going to experience having had babies, not had babies, had cesareans, had natural births, perhaps um, birthed no children, but coming into perimenopause and menopause. What are the common things that we're all going to experience? Okay. Um, menopause will hit all of us. The average age of menopause is age 53 in Australia. So when we say average, it means some people go through it before, some people a bit later. After age 40, the estrogen level decrease in the body and with uh, different uh, women react differently to this uh, drop of estrogen, hot flushes, low libido, low energy, um, vaginal dryness, urgency, urge incontinence, stress incontinence, and at times um, urinary, tract in, uh, urinary tract infection, uh, bacterial vaginosis, as well as prolapse. And um, uh, this is, um, uh, we used to call the vaginal dryness as atrophic vaginitis, but now we use a different terminology, terminology called it genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which mm-hmm. is a spectrum of um, uh, symptoms that can happen due to lack of estrogen. Mm-hmm. So and, this is GSM, uh, is it? This is what yes. we'd refer to with our, with our doctors, You're right? Yes, yeah, GSM. And that is very common. After, you know, 50% of women after age 60 will have this condition and about 60% after uh, age 70. So it's very common. Mm-hmm. And it is best if we take care of ourselves before we go through menopause or at the time of menopause and a really basic vulvovaginal care is something that can help us. Uh, what is the vulvovaginal care is that G-strings are the worst thing that ever happened to women. Polyester and the pants are not good for us. Washing ourselves obsessively with soap, um, applying um, perfume or, you know, those um, chemicals that we do for reducing the smell or bleaching the vaginas that that are awful so we have to prevent as um, as much chemicals there as possible also a diet is really um, important low oxalate diet you know reducing spinach and so on adding um, uh, zinc and probiotic as a supplement uh, is really good for our vaginas. You know, you can take the probiotic vaginally. Some women, as soon as they have uh, smallest symptoms of urinary problem, they go and put themselves on antibiotics. That's the worst thing that you can do because you kill all the good bacteria as well as bad bacteria. 
to get rid of the um, uh, uh, an infection that might not even exist. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that uh, if we go on antibiotic, then we take the probiotic at the same time. And remember, mm-hmm. you know, vagina and uh, rectum are very close to each other. Uh, uh, and uh, just by act of sitting, standing up, our underpants could, could move between the bladder and bowel. It's not that women are dirty or anything like that that cause themselves infection, but it is because of the lack of immunity, local immunity in the vagina that is, um, uh, we cannot uh, fight the day-to-day infection that the vagina would normally do. So basically, vagina is like a self-cleaning oven, like eyes. You know, if we have something in our eyes, it basically uh, we um, start to have tears and we uh, make sure that it is out of the eyes. But mm-hmm. sometimes this function is uh, lacking in the vagina and the infection stays there and the irritation stays there. Often women come and say that they have painful intercourse at the entrance of the vagina, that they have fissures when they have intercourse and that they might bleed or that they have urinary tract infection after intercourse. And because and sometimes it could be that they can't orgasm or get aroused anymore because the vagina is so dry. And therefore, there's no point of having sex or the libido drops because mm-hmm. they associate um, um, pain and sex together. So why would you want to have some, uh, you know, have pain when something should have been pleasurable? Mm-hmm. So now I get a lot of women. It, it has taken women a long, long time to talk about this because they either put up with it or they go to bed before their husband goes to avoid the husband or they allow the husband to sleep and then go to bed. So they um, uh, pretend that the day-to-day life has been in the way. And that is not good because actually being sexually active after age 40 is much more important than before. I think that sex is wasted on the young people because they don't understand the science behind it. What is really important is that having intercourse three times per week reduces the risk of a stroke by 30%, um, heart attack by 30%, as well as um, depression by 40%. And this is not a study that gynecologists have done. This is a cardiology study. It increases the levels of testosterone, which is really important for women in terms of focus and memory and in terms of energy. It works like three milligrams of volume, which uh, you know uh, you can sleep much better sleep, and it reduces the tension. And women who deal with pain, it increases the pain threshold for women when they are sexually active. And there are some, and there are some studies that are um, uh, saying if you have sex twice a day, you live eight years longer. But I think I will give that a miss. <laughs> but you are saying mount up ladies it's just yeah. this is good for your health but I guess there's a lot of, as you were saying there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that whether it's due to pain uh, whether it's dryness whether it's just long term with one partner and perhaps the, the boredom has kicked in yeah. Um, yeah. but I think yeah. it, it more comes down to that I know this isn't going to be as pleasurable as it was yeah. Um, so how do we sort of prepare for that? Is it about lubricants? Is it about, as you said, getting our zinc levels right, um, looking yeah. after our vaginal microbiome? How can we make this a happy place? Uh, all, all of it, all of it. But first of all, thinking that you deserve a good quality of life. 
um, and that the sex is not just the pleasure, but also the medical benefit and the quality of life that it gives you. So, so, so um, running, uh, Pilates, of, meditation, sex. This is very important for us. Yeah, uh, no, no, I think you should put sex on the top because the top. sex has given us much more. Yeah, so have sex and then go to Pilates, have sex and then go to yoga and so on. Uh, so uh, because the benefit is much better than those kind of those things. Uh, uh, things give us 10% protection for heart, brain, and everything. Sex is much higher than that. Uh, but uh, besides, you know, we are now having a bit of human fun. Uh, it is really important that we know estrogens are available. There are uh, vaginal estrogen or vaginal tablets available that are estrogen based. Mm-hmm. But 7% um, uh, of our women have breast cancer and they might be hesitant to use estrogen. So for those women, uh, it is really important that when, uh, first of all, keep having the intercourse is important because if you don't use it, the vagina shrinks. And uh, that is the nature of the menopause. Uh, the tissue becomes paparotic and hard. So having mechanical dilatation of the vagina is actually good. And um, you can prepare yourself with dilators, with sex toys and so on. And if the orgasm is difficult, you can add the sex toy um, and introduce it to your sex life and jazz it up a little bit. So you have to be a, a bit lateral thinking. It's not really one uh, set of rules that applies to different women. Some people hate it. Some people love it. So you have to find something that works for you. And I see often men are more amicable to this kind of thing than women are. So women are more conservative in bedroom than men are. So I haven't heard a man, a couple who come to me saying, uh, you know, the man never says, oh, I don't like that. It's always the woman who says, oh, I don't want that. Back in season one, episode 12, we learned about the benefits of collagen from the amazing Dr. Frank Lipman. It was that conversation that saw us researching the best possible collagen products we could find for us and for you. I'm excited to say our favorite brands now available inside our sister platform and store, youmusttryit.com. You'll also find a range of fabulous products from gynecologist Dr. Anna Kabeka, who we interviewed in season two. I absolutely love her maca powder and keto green protein power. After today's episode, perhaps go back and listen to episode two. It's called Let's Take a Menu Pause with Dr. Anna Kabeka. It's worth a listen. Okay, my friends, now back to today's episode. It's interesting for Reba. I, I know you're not a, a relationship counsellor as such, but I guess whether you've been in a, in a long-term marriage, whether it's a new relationship, um, I guess that conversation is always different. I would imagine it would be quite tricky to say to your your partner, long-term partner, it's just not doing it for me anymore, but I would like to continue with this. You know, it's not that you're not enough, but I need a little bit more now that I'm in perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, no, it's actually men are actually much more amicable than women are. So in my experience, I make sure that I see women with men when they have painful intercourse. Because when the things that I explain to men, the women are not able to explain. I, mm-hmm. I make it scientific. I make it about both of them. 
And I say to every man that women's health issues are not women's issues. It is, there are couple issues. There are family issues. There are society issues. So unless they get in and help, we, I can't help them. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have even uh, something that I say every man needs a gynecologist because if I, I tell them what the woman needs, they understand it better. So post-op surgery, I never see the woman alone for any consent form. I said, bring the partner, bring the support person, because this is what he has to do or she has to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I hardly see any men objecting to anything that I tell them. And at times, women told, tell me, oh, my husband is so understandable, uh, understanding he doesn't, he doesn't care that uh, we don't have sex. And then when she leaves the room, the man actually cries to me and says, I do actually care, but I don't want to hurt her. Mm-hmm. So if you have a partner who says, I understand, they do understand, they will do love you, but they might be suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. So it is much easier to tell them, look, I am going through menopause. Let's go and see a gynecologist. Let the gynecologist tell you what's going on, uh, going on with me. It's not that I don't love you, but my body is not the way it was. There are things that we can use to jazz it up and maybe now there are hormones that I have to take or I don't want a hormones, but maybe there are lifestyle that we can have and so on. Uh, and you will see that the boys join in and understand and they will be the first people who buy any kind of sex toy that makes you um, helps you to have a good sex life together and to be more intimate. Mm-hmm. Just give it a go. Yes, that's right. Give it a go. You can't, you can't yeah. say no until you've given it a go. That's right. So what can we do? Obviously, again, we're, we're taking care of that area and we don't want to introduce anything that's going to cause more harm, which I can imagine um, a lot of lubricants and things won't have any goodness in them. That they, they are going to do us more harm than good. Um, do you have any products that you recommend mm-hmm. or is there? are we meant to be fixing this from the inside and not necessarily from the outside? No, no. Uh, the, the best lubricant um, is the vegetable oil. The very ordinary vegetable oil in your cupboard. Please don't take it as a two-liter container to the bedroom, make it a bit sexier and put it in a hundred mil bottles. But coconut oil is really good. And uh, that is the best lubrication. Don't buy any chemicals off the shelf because they always have a little bit of um, uh, chemicals to it. And that might irritate and that might cause problems. So that is number one. Avoid soap. Avoid uh, Andes at night. So nighty and no Andes, let that air. Especially women who are a bit bigger on the bigger side. So when you go and have a shower, dab yourself and take the hair dryer and dry yourself. So that reduces the risk of uh, fungal infection because, you know, fungus lacks most area. And if you if you do things like that, you will see that a lot of things um, happen. There are some lasers on the market, but uh, uh, some doctors believe in it. Some research doesn't, but it's a, a controversial area. And some people are also using PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma that is taken from your own blood and is given to you. Is usually used for the face on for you know, facial um, rehydration but that can also rehydrate the area down there. But all of this is being researched. The good thing about it is it is not not harmful, but the the benefit of it is still being researched and uh, being looked at. So PRP is is an area that you have been 
working in and researching. Um, yes. As you say, we, we've heard of the vampire facials, which I guess is yeah. that that plasma. Um, yeah. How does that work in the vagina? Are you injecting that into the vagina? Yes, yes. The way um, um, the very first time that I did the PRP was for a lady who was 30 years old, and she really confronted me with uh, uh, GSM at age 30. She was, uh, she had the, both breasts removed for breast cancer. Uh, she also has lost uh, both her ovaries, and uh, now she couldn't be intimate. And during this process, the husband had left her, and uh, now she was in a relationship with a boyfriend, and now they can't be and couldn't be intimate. So she asked me, "What's the point of living and prolonging life if there is no quality of life? I can't be a mother, I can't be a lover, and I can't even sit and perform do a job." And uh, I said, "Look, there is this product called PRP." Uh, that is from your own blood that doesn't have any hormones. And she, uh, she had um, a estrogen receptor positive and the doctor had told her, no, no, with estrogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we, we tried that for her. And a month later when she came back, she said, uh, doctor, I think since I have the chemotherapy, my skin doesn't look good either. Can you put some of that PRP in my face? So that was uh, my first encounter with PRP in gynecology. So we wrote to 100 GPs and requested the same condition, women who cannot have the normal conventional um, uh, stuff in the, uh, in, uh, available to us. And we uh, had a lot of women with lichen sclerosis. We had a lot of women with vaginal fusion uh, who didn't respond to estrogen. And we started our research from there. And then we went into lasers. And now we are doing laser and PRP because PRP, you have to inject it. And laser gives us the option of causing the micro trauma for us. And then we can pour the PRP over it rather than hurting women. So make it a painless treatment. And we are looking all up all the aspects and uh, we are publishing uh, as well the, um, with the procedure in our hand. And we had quite a bit of success. I reduced the risk of um, prolapse repair quite significantly in my practice. And a lot of women um, have uh, responded to this. And those who didn't respond, we basically offer them other stuff or maybe do surgery for it. But as I said, it is still, uh, we, we research everyone. Everyone who comes and has this treatment, we put them in the database and we look at their outcome and so on. But there are some exciting um, evidence coming out, mm-hmm. uh, but the jury is still out. What an extraordinary body of work. Uh, particularly for you to be exploring and, and uh, being the forefront of. Uh, yeah, thank you. And that, that uh, PRP actually has been used in many other specialties as well, not only dermatology, musculoskeletal people use it, a lot of uh, orthopedic surgeons use it. Uh, so there is, a, 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 there is a, as I said, a lot of controversy around it as well, but it is like with any innovation. Some people are early adopters, some people are later adopters, but the good thing is that um, uh, people are looking at it. And the best news about it is it does not cause any harm. It might not work but it doesn't cause any harm. Well, uh, recently there was a publication coming out of Denmark that women who have breast cancer on, on, are on aromatase inhibitors, the vaginal estrogen can increase the risk of breast cancer recurrence by 30%. Hmm. So if you take the estrogen cream from women, uh, then there are, you have to 
supplement it with something. Okay, diet is good, vulva care is good, uh, but there will be a woman or two who don't respond to this and they should have other options available. So is this something that you would obviously speak to your gynecologist about, but is it is it now there's papers out there, obviously you are doing uh, the work. Is it common knowledge that PRP is available for, for this? No. As I said, we are doing it all in the body of research. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they know that this is available, but it, the body of research has to be uh, randomized controlled trials, which mm-hmm. we are doing it at the moment in my office. Um, but some people say, look, the evidence out there is enough for me. And I, I know that it is not um, uh, harmful, so I want to have it. So we don't say yeah, that this is normal conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. We say, look, this is available, but we tell them that it's controversial. We tell them that you know this uh, school of people um, visited, to, uh, you know, this school uh, thinks that this school thinks that. We give all the papers, pros and cons, to the patient to study, and if they still want to go ahead, then we provide the treatment for them. Right, but for normal common uh, GSMs, it really is just making sure we're having enough zinc in our diet, uh, pushing through the pain and coming up with more creative ways to yeah. to go about your, your sex life, um, yeah. treating ourselves a little bit better and, of course, um, making sure that our microbiome is healthy. Yes, microbiome, um, healthy diet, healthy vulva care and oestrogen cream and vegetable oil and the frequency of intercourse uh, will help maybe 80% of people. A quick pause in today's episode to share some of my must-try products at youmusttryit.com. Through the Aging Project, I've learned managing stress is something to be intentional about, which is why over at youmusttryit.com, we've created a stress and sleep page with all of our favorite products. After today's episode, go check out the Shakti mat. This is an acupressure mat with over 6,000 spikes. Yes, I swear by it, as do so many of our customers. Even previous guest, Dr. Peter Wright from the Vera Wellness Clinic said, I love this mat, Shelley. Thank you. It is my pleasure, Dr. Peter. <laughs> to grab yours, just go to youmusttryit.com and type Shakti. That's S-H-A-K-T-I. You'll also find essential oils, supplements and organic teas, all designed to reduce stress and aid sleep. Trust me, all are a must try. Just go to youmusttryit.com for a 10% discount off your first order and to join our community. The good news is we also ship internationally. Yes, we do. Alrighty, back to the show. I would love to speak to you about your charity, Desert Flower. Can you explain to us um, how Desert Flower came about and, and what work you do there? Yeah, Desert Flower South Australia was established in 2018. Uh, I am a gynecologist with interest in pelvic floor disorders, so I do a lot of prolapse incontinence and also reconstructive surgery. And um, I also worked with a plastic surgeon in the past, and I knew how to do fat grafting and how to, for example, I do a lot of charity overseas as well. And we see a lot of women with their genital trauma and genital scarring. 
uh, and sometimes the genitalia is as if you know you have no cheek on one side it looks really lopsided so uh, I knew how to take fat from the tummy and inject it in the labia to make it symmetrical and then a couple of women who were survivors of female genital mutilation came to me and said that they are dating um, uh, Australian boys and they don't want to be the way they are they want to reverse their uh, mutilation and I did it for them and it was quite successful and a few years later it was 2010 that I did the first one uh, the no FGM uh, society which uh, uh, is not existence in, in existence anymore came and said could I be a voice for these women and I said to my husband and my daughter this is extra work I was asked to take on board are you guys with me and it was my daughter, Nadia Wilson's uh, 21st birthday, when she said to me, Mom, I am 21, I want to have a good party, but I really have everything that one needs for day-to-day life. I don't need extra presents. And uh, why don't we do a charity uh, gala dinner? Uh, so we did that, and to our surprise, 400 people came, and we raised quite a bit of money. And it, I was moved. I was really moved that uh, so many people are interested. A couple of politicians came and promised support. So then um, uh, I thought um, uh, that my, uh, myself and my colleague, Dr. Tran Yuan, will go to Austria and talk to uh, Desert Flower Austria, Austria who has um, an Ethiopian model. Uh, there is Waris, uh, who uh, is um, you know, talking to the um, United Nations and who wrote the book, The Desert Flower, and see if they could teach us how to do these procedures. And we met with them in the hospital in Germany. They showed us their uh, protocols and I showed them mine. And we decided that their protocol is really invasive, 14 days in hospital and flaps and so on. I showed them how I do it, and they were actually quite interested in the work that I had done. And they, they said that we could use their name and we could use their constitution. But because their name uh, had the African continent as a logo, I thought Australia is multicultural. And by just uh, singling out one uh, country, uh, it will cause prejudice and it causes discomfort to these uh, survivors. We want to show them our love and support. We want to, uh, and we thought, okay, what do we do with the logo? We thought, okay, these people are uh, the desert flowers from another country. They are coming to the Australia. Let's have an emblem of um, Australian native flowers and call them the desert flowers of Australia who are going to be empowered in this country and because of the opportunities that they are have been given in this country, they will contribute to this uh, country even more and make this place a better place. Exactly like myself, I came here as uh, someone who didn't have any opportunities in her own country and Australia gave me opportunities and all my thoughts is how do I leave a legacy behind for this country and what, what do I do for this country to say thank you to them. So then we came back, we established the Desert Flowers and uh, Desert Flowers South Australia. Uh, the Ashworth Hospital in Adelaide supported us and didn't charge any woman that was uninsured. 
we did the surgery for free if women couldn't afford it. I never charged my daughter's company, E121. I gave their products. And the nurses, the anesthetists didn't charge the patient for their services. So it was just a wonderful community work that we did together. But unfortunately, COVID hit and we couldn't have an opening of the center, but we are going to do it this year. And uh, I have been interviewed by ABC and um, SBS, and they are promoting that as well for us. So uh, that's how we established. And uh, PsychMed also is helping us with psychological health because these women need holistic care. It's not just a cut that you endure. It's trauma. Mm-hmm. that they have gone through at age five or six. And, um, and that it's something that has been uh, in very normal in their country is something abnormal in this country. So mm-hmm. we have to assist them socially and emotionally and psychologically as well as physically how to get integrate into this country without judgment. Uh, some of my colleagues said, oh, that makes me so angry. And uh, my message to them always is, please, these women don't need your anger. These women don't need our judgment. Uh, these women actually, in their own rights, in their own country, thought that they are um, uh, celebrating and getting into womanhood with this um, uh, uh, with this uh, procedure. It is not that their mothers didn't love them. It is just a culture, and with education, we can change this culture. I'm sure there are a lot of things that we do in this culture that looks bad to the other people. So let's not judge each other. My job is looking after women, love them, support them, respect them, and tailor my work uh, to them individually to um, address their social, emotional, and economical needs. And that is the best thing that we can do. Well, we can certainly help with that by promoting uh, Desert Flowers of Australia. I think our listeners would be surprised to hear that there would be around 200,000 women living here in Australia that have gone through female genital mutilation, which is, as you say, a horrifying number uh, worldwide, you know, 2 million survivors of this. 200, um, 200, 200 million. million women. Yes. Every 10 seconds, a child is being mutilated. So, and this is a global problem. This is not an Australian problem. So I think um, uh, with, the new, with the women shattering their ceiling glasses and with new leaders, female leaders coming uh, to the forefront, it is our responsibility that we will help other women without judging them. Uh, and not uh, limiting our efforts to one country. We are um, uh, cosmopolitans, you know, we are citizens of the world. And every woman that suffers should be, um, uh, should be a matter to another woman. Fariba, I think it's important for our audience to understand what female genital mutilation actually is. And I hope it's not, not too gruesome a question for you to answer for us. No, not at all. According to WHO, the female genital mutilation is an unnecessary medical procedure performed on the genitalia, which always includes the removal of clitoris. Uh, There are three different types of um, female genital mutilation, and the type one is just removing the clitoris. 
start to is removing the clitoris and this um, uh, labia minora. And the third one is clitoris, labia minora, and part of labia majora. And usually this procedure can cause um, a severe scarring and severe urinary problem and very often intimacy issues. Well, this is where we can really put into practice our paying it forward. We've learned today from you, um, Fariba, how to look after our own vaginas and our microbiomes as we're heading into perimenopause and beyond menopause, how we can have a wonderful, healthy, safe and exciting sex life in the later um, second half of our lives, right through, as you say, to 120. That's what we should be aiming for. Um, It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It should be something, as you say, that is treasured amongst partners Um, and of course now we have the opportunity to be a part of Desert Flowers of Australia as well and really do our bit for women worldwide in bringing not only recognition to to what they've been through but as you say support funding and help and uh, I love the quote that you use with love one can transform into flowers and you are certainly doing that for so many and my goodness I hope we help you with that with our chat today. Thank you. Thank you for all your support. I am a person who treats one person at a time. But uh, it's amazing the power that women like you have because you are broadcasting to this to million women and you change women, you know, more, uh, one million times more than I do one at a time. Well done. So thank you to you. Well, thank you. We're just here to give you a platform to facilitate your message, which we have heard loud and clear today. Dr. Fariba, we will have show notes on where people can, of course, donate to Desert Flowers Australia. I hope, as you say, with the pandemic past, that there can be beautiful um, events throughout the country to support this fabulous cause. And I know that the Ageing Project will certainly jump on board with that and beyond. Thank you for all your effort as well. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, where do I begin? What an absolute pleasure. We only spoke for 40 or so minutes, but oh my goodness, I have a deep respect for Dr. Fariba, the founder of FBW Gynecology Plus in South Australia. We covered a lot of ground. I feel like we've been given a much needed masterclass or a manual for good vaginal operations. Thank you, Fariba, for helping us become more comfortable with this important topic. And the word vagina, why is that such a thing that makes us giggle or blush or be shy? I don't understand. As she said, it's just another organ and a really important one at that. We hear so much information about gut health, but very little on vaginal health. So here's a few takeaways. No G-strings or polyester undies, ladies. Obsessively washing with soap is out, as are undies in bed. Zinc and probiotics, which you'll find at our sister store, youmusttry.com, are in. And while you're there, you might like to check out our range of sex toys. They're a lot of fun. Give it a go. We've got a few for you to have a look at. And let's not forget about our vegetable or coconut oil. So many great tips for our self-cleaning ovens. (laughs) What a great analogy. Don't forget to support us by forwarding this episode on. Let's share Dr. Fariba's message far and wide. That is a wrap, my friends. I'm Shelley Craft. And don't forget to join me over at theagingproject.com.au. I would love to see you there. We'll chat again soon.
As always, the Aging Project podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Always seek medical advice from a qualified practitioner.